Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. And in knowing God, we know ourselves because our life is hidden in God. And I, I love those scriptures. I, I jotted them down before we left because it is so imperative that we realize that it's not that we need to get to know ourselves better. It's not that we need to get to know um, God's word better or the theology of it better. Getting to know God better reveals us. It's in Colossians 3. It says, since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. And if I don't stop, I'm going to start teaching that. But basically, it's saying set your mind, set your heart on things above, set your Self, build your house in the kingdom of God is what we're really learning right now. How do we live in the kingdom of God? Because in living in the kingdom of God, of, of, of truly building your house in the kingdom of God and learning how to do that and the what's and the why's and going through the scriptures and instead of saying, well, that just sounds nice, going through the words and saying, what does that mean in the Greek? What does that mean in the Hebrew? Praying for the Holy Spirit to give us revelation we begin to live in the kingdom of God, and as we do, we get to know the true us, the real us. The real us, because God doesn't want cookie-cutter Christians. He gave us all different personalities, different, different, we're different parts of the body, even spiritually speaking, with spiritual gifts, because we're to do different things. We're to come together and make a one, make a one body the body of Christ. And as we get to know God, we get to know us. And I think that's so, so exciting. I wish I could set every person down who's on a trek for self-realization and say, you know, when you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you get to know him, your life will be revealed. It's like Matthew um, 6.33. It says to seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added. And so sometimes we're trying to find us and trying to find us and what does God want to do in my life or maybe I'm changing my business or maybe I'm changing um, the way I used to think. How do I find who I really am? Well, get to know him. Get to know Jesus. Get to know his word. Begin to live in his kingdom and your life will be revealed. We've been talking about the kingdom of God and, and um, I just have been thinking about this as I talk about the kingdom of God, um, I can perceive where I am. I can perceive where I live. And it's not like I don't ever walk out of the kingdom of God. We talked about that, how you can, you can definitely walk away from God's peace. You can walk away from God's love. But when you become a Christian, when you're born again, when you ask Jesus to come into your heart and be your Lord and Savior, you're literally reborn. And we're going to look at that in a second. Because I think that born-again word has gotten kind of a bad rap. I don't know. It kind of gives me the creeps, or it used to. It just kind of sounded like nutty people. That Did it do that to anybody else? Am I the only one? I just remember so well hearing this man who used to be in real estate, and I was really little when he said this, and he said, I will never hire a born-again Christian. 
And then I thought later, how, if they're a Christian, how can they not be born again? I mean, how's he going to do that, you know? And basically what he understood was you grow up in a certain religion or culture and you're either Episcopalian or Presbyterian or you are what you are and you don't get born again. You don't really get into who Jesus is or have it change your life or get excited about it. You just kind of do your own thing and that's it. And that's just a really good wide road to destruction, really. So you have to be born again to be in the kingdom of heaven for eternity. And you have to be born again to live in the kingdom of heaven on this earth, which is what God promises, which is what we've been studying, because it's something that I feel like I haven't been taught before, and I really, really need it. I need to know, how can I have peace here in spite of circumstances? How can I have faith here when things have been so... um, not answered for so long or things have been so dark for so long how can i have joy when there's nothing to be joyful about um how how because jesus tells us to do all these things and then a lot of christians get really frustrated and they just quit and they just say i just can't i I can't do it anymore and they just stop and that's the worst place to be when you know enough to know what you're supposed to be doing but you don't know enough to know how to do it because then you're just miserable at least when we didn't know the lord we could just carouse about and do whatever we wanted and we didn't have the holy spirit going you know what i mean and and sometimes we even wish for that like oh gosh you know my friend so-and-so is having such a good time doing such and such and if i didn't have that holy spirit i'd be having fun doing that too but I can't do it because I would be bothered for the rest of the day or the year or whatever. (laughs) He'll mess you up right out of sin. That's a good point. Well, so let's look at this. When I talk about the Holy Spirit, I I can perceive it. I can see it. And if you're born again, when we talk about the the kingdom of God, um, you should hopefully be starting to live in the kingdom of God as a Christian growing in the word. But if not, you at least when we start to talk about the kingdom of God, see it. You can see it. You can see joy in the midst of chaos. You can see protection when you have fear. You can see peace with no fear you can sense it because god says we can have it when the word is is spoken out of someone's mouth who really believes it it's true it's really different than when it's spoken out of someone's mouth who doesn't leave live in the kingdom of god and doesn't really believe it has any power not right it is for me so i want to look at a verse in john 3 3 It says, unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And that is so important because that word see means to like perceive the kingdom of God. 
And that's why I, I have said the salvation prayer in this class, and I'll probably do it again, but it's so important that you be born again and not ashamed of being born again because if you're not, you can't even see or perceive the kingdom of God. You can't get to know Jesus. You can read the Bible in an academic, intellectual way and be bored, and you don't have the Holy Spirit popping words out to you and amplifying things and applying them to your life. There's no excitement, there's no life, there's no joy. And you'll be frustrated. And so make sure that you have asked God. You have asked Jesus to come into your heart and to be your Lord and Savior. Specifically know that you have. Because that's being born again. And I got this is what got me off trail. But I want us to look at this born again since it used to kind of creep me out. I told you why. But I want to look at born really quickly. This is all just background stuff, but it's so good. John 3.3, remember, unless, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And we're talking about the kingdom of God. We're talking about the kingdom of heaven right now. Born is a Greek word there. Obviously, we're in the New Testament. And it's, uh, it's pronounced... But it looks kind of like generation to me. It looks like the beginning of the word generation. But it means to engender, to cause, to arise, to convert as God making his sons and daughters through faith in Christ's work. But the word has a root word which I got really excited about because it says that again means from the beginning from above, from a higher place, coming from a root word that means a former time. Does that mean anything to anybody? See, that changed my perception of born again. That completely changed it because born again doesn't just mean oh, okay, I have the Holy Spirit and I'm a Christian now. It means that God puts the life in you that was originally intended in the garden. That life is in you. You have the life of God in you. Just as God breathed into Adam the Holy Spirit, you have the life of God in you. You are literally reborn into a new person. And the reason that's so exciting is, to me, when you are born again, you need to realize that everything about you is life and everything about you is living. There shouldn't be a dead dream. There shouldn't be a dead hope. You have a living hope. Nothing is impossible with God, Luke one thirty seven. You have a living hope. His name is Jesus Christ. And it sounds like, oh, that's just a nice thing to say. We just put that on a card. You have a living hope. Anytime someone says something, even if it sounds nice, ask them, where do you see that in the Word? Where do you see it in the Word? Because if it's of God, it will always, always be in His will or in His Word. And if you look at 1 Peter 1.3, it says, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. He has made us literally as we were supposed to have been on the inside. We have the life of God on the inside of us. We have the ability, as Adam and Eve had, to walk and talk 
and be with God. We have the ability to live a life in the kingdom of God on this earth. Will it be perfect? No. But do we have to have fear? No. Do we have to live as the rest of the world where we have anxiety? No. But we have to learn how to live like that. So I got off track. Okay, here's the verse. Sorry. 1 Peter 1.3 Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So when things go bad and when things go wrong, when things look dead, when things look impossible, just say to yourself, I have a living hope. I mean, when the enemy comes to you and says there's no hope, you can just say, I have a living hope. I have a living hope. And that is so good because that is Jesus and that's never, ever a lie. That's never a lie. And we need that sometimes to be able to tell ourselves. Whenever you quote the scripture and whenever you say what God says, it's never a lie. And sometimes when people come up to me and say, well, how's your back or How, how's it going or whatever, um, and it's not going well, um, and I've had lots of nerve stuff going on, and um, it's just been really, really painful ever since I had that last back surgery two years ago. It was painful before that, but now it's worse. And so then I, I don't know what to say, and I've started saying, you know what, I, I have a living hope in Jesus. I have a living hope. It's not hopeless. I have a living hope. And just between y'all and me, since Friday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, this is my third day with no nerve pain, and that's the first time in two years. I haven't done anything differently, except for I've been praying, Jesus, please give me your faith, because obviously mine is not big enough. Please give me the gift of faith. But see, you can't have faith without hope. If you're hopeless about anything in this world, you, in this room, if you're hopeless about something, don't expect to have faith about it. Because you can't have faith without hope. But you need to realize that you have a living hope in you, Christ Jesus, who's constantly willing and able to give you hope. And sometimes we need to say that to ourselves out loud. We need to say to ourselves, as we start thinking dark thoughts and bad things, I have a living hope. I have a living hope. I'm not even going to think that way because God can do everything and anything, and I have a living hope. God's Word is living hope. That's why I'm so adamant about bring your Bible, you know, read God's Word, bring your Bible, read God's Word, because you're carrying around living hope. You're carrying around your hope, your faith, your life, and your life is hidden in Christ Jesus. So your life is hidden in between the pages of that Word. And, of course, now I, I read the Bible 99% of the time on the computer, and so it's hidden on the computer for me. It's hidden wherever the Word is. There is there is power. There is power to change your life and there's power for you to have a living hope. There's power for you to walk every day on this earth with joy and peace that surpasses all understanding. You can do that because God says you can. 
But we need to ask how. I mean, that's why I, I want to study the kingdom of heaven because if, if Christ has promised me life and life abundant in John 10.10 10, and I don't have it, I need to find out why I don't have it. Why don't I have it? How? What do I do? Well, we said that we must be born again to perceive, to see the kingdom of God. You have to read God's word, which is your living hope. You've got to get it in you. We have the word that can change us, that can change anything. So this is what's interesting. I I was looking at this morning, and this is why I was late, um, besides the fact that I couldn't find the jewelry keys, and I wanted to get into the jewelry, and I hid them so well that I can't find them. And I remember doing it, which is what's so embarrassing. I remember doing it. I remember thinking, you know, I don't have time to put the keys where they're supposed to go. And I remember kind of going like that in the closet, but I don't remember where exactly. And I'm 5'2", and our closet's real tall, and so I'm looking at it like I pulled about five or six purses down, Lacey, and a whole bunch of stuff. So don't trip when you go back home. After you're born again, this is what I didn't know, and this is what I know now, and this is very, very, very important. Most of us know John 14. You hear it at a lot of people's funerals. It was at my grandfather's funeral. I go to prepare a place for you. You remember Jesus saying, in my father's house there's many mansions, there's many rooms. I go to prepare a place for you. So who builds your house in heaven? Who prepares your house in heaven? Who prepares your place in heaven? I go to prepare a place for you. Who does that? Jesus does that. But who prepares your place? Who builds your house on earth? I'm not talking about like your neighborhood, your physical house. I'm talking about you living in the kingdom of heaven. Who builds that on earth? You do. You do. Matthew 7 24 through 27 says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall. It was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does them, does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was the fall. So I love this. Jesus did just this beautiful parallel that he does all the time. And I just literally wrote wise fool, divided it in half. And on one side, they both hear, right? They both hear the word of God. The wise person hears the word of God and the foolish person hears the word of God, right? Yes. Okay, but then the wise person does what the word says. The foolish person doesn't. The wise person, by doing what the word says, builds his house on a rock. The foolish person, by not doing what the word says, builds his house on sand. I mean, this is God showing us how to build our house because it's our responsibility. Are you hearing this? 
Because a lot of times we go, you know, you know, Jesus prepares my house in heaven and he's supposed to also prepare my house on this earth and I don't understand why he's preparing somebody else's house better than mine, spiritually speaking. They're really full of joy and it just seems like God's just blessed them with this gift of faith and I don't really have that and I don't know why Jesus isn't building my house better and because we are supposed to build our own houses. I didn't know that. I've been doing it, but I didn't know it. This is huge. We can't blame God. We're supposed to be building our own house. But how? See, because a lot of times when, when, when I was younger, um, when I, last year when I was 20, I would teach. <laughs> no, when I was doing uh, teaching um, for Youth for Christ and going around and, and teaching campus life and that kind of thing, I used to love to teach these scriptures because they're so visual and kids are so visual. I think adults are really visual too. But Jesus knew that and that's why he taught in parables because you get this vision of building a house on sand and you think, what an idiot. You don't do that, you know. If we went down to um, Padre Island, all of us, and, and you're passing by construction and you see someone with zero foundation building a house like right on the sand and you're thinking they're spending millions and millions of dollars and it's a beautiful house and you're like, one storm and that house, toast. But that's what we do. The only way to build your house upon the rock is to do what the Word says. And when I've been taught this before or heard these scriptures in a sermon, I've been told, build your house upon the rock. That's what I've been told. But I wasn't told how. I mean, that's what was always amplified to me. Build your house upon the rock. Jesus is the rock. Build it on the rock. Go forth and build it on the rock. And you think, all right, how how do I do that? We need to know it's simple. Jesus said it. He didn't say, go build your house upon the rock. He said, hear and do, hear and do, hear and do. Think of it as bricks. Think of it as foundation. Hear and do, hear and do. Till your house is so fortified that any storm can come against it and it will not fall. Matter of fact, a storm may come against it and it might even make it more beautiful. You could just say, thank you for washing my windows. Thank you for cleaning my shutters. See, because that's what happens when our house is built upon us hearing and doing the word. When storms come, they actually beautify our house. They actually strengthen our house. But when we build upon sand, which is simply, it's easy to do. It's easy to build upon sand because it's just simply not doing. You see that? Building upon sand is just simply not doing. In this parable, the, the, the foolish person that built upon sand heard the word of God, but just didn't do it. And so, you know, it is harder to build upon the rock. It takes effort. And that is why I think it's so important for us to realize Jesus goes and prepares our place in heaven. We prepare our place on earth. We prepare where we spiritually live. It's not some gift bestowed on some people and not bestowed on others. It is hard work. But it's so good. 
It is so worth it. It is so worth it. It is so worth it. And it's the one thing that Satan doesn't want you to do. Because he knows once you're a Christian, once you've received Jesus Christ, the free gift of God is salvation through Jesus Christ, not through your works, lest man should boast. We all know that. But if you don't work to build your house, you can have an absolutely miserable and sometimes quite useless, unproductive life when it, when it comes to the kingdom of heaven. And then... You just didn't build anything. Maybe you had no joy. You didn't pass anything down. See, I want to know, what am I spiritually passing down to my children? I mean, great that I can pass down some things materially, we hope, if I'll stop going to Target. My purse is from Target, and it's really, really cute. I just wanted to show you all. It was last year on clearance. I think it was like 19.99 or something like that. And so I just thought that everyone wanted to see. I've always wanted to do this. I'm just joking. Who knows who's going to see those? There'll be iPod casts, God willing, and anyone from Africa to New Zealand can see that and think, what a nut, you know? I'm born again. You know, it's so important, but it's not something that you do because you're, you're so holy. It's because you care about where you live and what you do. I hear people say, I want my life to count towards the kingdom. I want to fulfill everything that God has for me written in his book. I want my children to know him. I want to know uh, that when I close my eyes for the last time on this earth, and we all will, that I'll hear those words as I go to my Lord and Savior, well done good and faithful servant. Hear and do. Hear and do. And the great thing about God is that, and I've seen it over and over and over and over, sometimes people will sit someplace and hear that and and say, oh my gosh, you know, I'm 42 years old or I'm 65 and I'm just now hearing this, and now I'm supposed to hear and do. And I've seen over and over and over how God just will catch you up. You just It's like there was never time lost. I mean, he does promise us in Joel 2.25 that it will restore the years the locusts have eaten, but he also gives us the parable of the workers on the field. Do you remember that? And one worker uh, or several workers were working, working, working all day. And then several other workers came towards the very end of the day. And when it came to paying them, the ones that only worked a few hours were paid the same amount as the ones that worked all day. It is fair. You know what? God doesn't really care how you start as much as He cares how you finish. And I'm concerned about modern Christianity, if you will, that we're not teaching people how to keep going and how to finish. 
It's great to start, but it really counts how you finish. I want to finish well. I know you do too. Hear and do, hear and do. So simple. Jesus did it. Jesus did it. John fourteen thirty one. Jesus says, I love the Father and I do exactly what my Father commanded me. And when we've been teaching on love in the past, we in, in, in obedience, and so I can't remember even what I called it. I think I called it how to have abundant life. And so a lot of people came and then they realized that it was on obedience. About half the class left, but then the other half stayed and that was good. And obedience, equals love, and love equals obedience. That's God's obedience. If you love me, you'll obey me. If you love me, you'll obey me. If you love me, you'll obey me. Find it in the Bible over and over and over. It reminds me of, of Storm when he gets in trouble, um, especially with his dad, who is stronger than his mom. And yes, we do, S-P-A and K. I don't, I don't know why I spelled that. I've been around... <laughs> I've been around a two-year-old lately, and, and I've started to spell everything. Like, you know, <laughs> I'll be like, Storm, do you want some S-P-R-I-T-E? He's like, he's six. He can't, he's looking at me like, are you tricking me? <laughs> you know, When he gets in trouble, though, he's done this over and over, and it's sad, but it, it's such a picture of me with God that I know God is showing me what I do, which is so humbling. But he gets in trouble with his dad, and his dad says, come here. And lovingly is going to discipline him, but it, it's, still, it, it's still not going to be fun for his bottom. And so Storm will usually start to walk backwards instead of going towards his dad, and he'll go, I love you, Dad. I love you. I really love you. I love you. And Lacey will say, if you love me, you do what I said. But I love you. And that's so me. And then I say, but I love you, God. I really love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And then the Holy Spirit says, but if you really love me, you would hear and do and hear and do and hear and do. It's great to come to a class like this and you, you're like, I'm going to hear and do, I'm going to hear and do, hear and do. And then you leave and you try to go out as a rational, thinking, intelligent adult and it becomes very hard. And that's why God said, no, no, no. I want you to be like sheep. John 10:27 says, "Sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. They don't argue with the shepherd. They don't have another sheep whistle and call the other sheep over so that half the sheep are going one way and half are going the other way. Sheep follow the shepherd. They simply hear and do. God did not call us cats. Cats. We have two cats. I, I really don't like cats, but we now I do. I do like cats now. Um, like I'm going to offend the cats around the world. I love you. I love you. Um, we we have one named Tom Tom, and he's kind of he already has a belly, and we have another one named Julie, and she's really skinny. And um, Julie is hysterical, hysterical, hysterical. But here's what happens when I want Julie to hear and do. Come here, Julie. Come here. Come here, Julie. Come here. Come here, Julie. Here's Julie. Come here, Julie. 
walking off, going into another room, um, thinking about it, sauntering around, and eventually she might get to it. That's why Jesus didn't say, be like a cat, you know? He didn't say, be like a dog, you know? Thinking of our dog, I mean, our dog is really obedient until it sees another dog. And I have literally flown through the air with the leash onto the pavement, onto my stomach, as my dog flew after another dog. Literally, I'm not making that up. Sheep. We're supposed to be a sheep. You begin to live in the kingdom of heaven. You begin to be on the rock where you cannot fall. And the greatest thing today is you may say, okay, well, great. I can maybe lay a foundation today just a little bit by hearing and doing. But if a storm comes, I'm already in a storm. Maybe you're already in a storm. Great. Have you ever tried to build a house in a storm? You know, you don't see some massive, massive hurricane and then see... A building crew out going, we're just building during the hurricane. But we are expected, believe it or not, to build a house in the storm. You may be in a storm right now in your marriage, financially, um, in your heart, emotionally. You may be in a storm physically, and God will have you build your house. Believe me, he'll send angels to help you. And you now can walk out because of the scriptures, because of his promises, protected, even with that little bit built. I believe that there are people in this room that have just started to build, maybe even now, just now. But you can know that God will protect you. Psalm 91 says, He who dwells in the secret place, the Most High, will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to my Lord, you are my fortress. You are my protection, my God in whom I trust. All you have to do is rest in that secret place, and that's called the kingdom of God, a place where you hear and do, a place where you say, I want to be yours. God, I've tried it my way, and I've built my house outside of your kingdom And it's a really bad place to be. I want to be in your kingdom. And there is where you hear his voice. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word that is our living hope. I thank you that Jesus is the word, our living hope. And I just thank you, Lord, that that living hope is in each of us this morning, in each of us all day. That living hope will never leave us. Even when we have left God, he says, even when we're faithless, he will be faithful because he cannot deny himself. What does that mean? He cannot deny himself that is in us. Father, help us to hear the word. Get, get us places where we hear it, where it's really spoken as your truth, where it's, it's, it's full of the Holy Spirit and it changes us, body, soul, and spirit. And help us, Father, give us the grace and your mercy, your help, and your angels to do. To build our house in your kingdom so that we might have righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen.
We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWitten.org. K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. Thank you.